It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm really honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing, amazing show. I'll be introducing my guests shortly, and I promise this is going to be a really fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I will do this every single week. As we all know, Valentine's Day happened very recently, and clearly it's a day that highlights showing love to people that you care the most about. But think about this for a minute. Do we really truly need only one day a year to remind us? Shouldn't we love and care about people every day? I think the answer is pretty obvious to that. Let me tell you something. One thing I do when I show people how much I care is to tell them. Many people never hear someone else say how much they are loved and appreciated on a regular basis, whether they're in a relationship or not. And I think it's really important to let others know this regularly because you just never know when it can change someone's day or make their whole world turn around. Another thing I ask myself is whether or not the other person likes to have things or to do things. And I'm talking about this in terms of gift giving because this is really an important question. Having things is a tangible way of being reminded of what someone has done for us or has given to us while doing things creates an experience and a memory that won't soon be forgotten. So if you really truly want to impact someone, be aware of the other person's need to have versus their need to do. It can make a really huge difference and it can prove that you're actually paying attention to who they are. Because if someone is expecting flowers for Valentine's Day and you decide to take them rock climbing instead and that's not a gift that they would appreciate, then clearly you don't know that other person very well. So be very mindful of whether a person would rather have or whether they would rather do. It's extremely important. So ask yourself how you can effectively love someone important to you this week. It can make such a huge difference for you and for the other party as well. With all this in mind, I do want to introduce my guest. In fact, my guest uh, is, is Charlie Brenneman. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Charlie the Spaniard Brenneman is a professional mixed martial arts fighter, speaker, mentor, and author. Following a successful high school wrestling career, Charlie took his talents to Lock Haven University, where he achieved a, tw- a top 12 finish at Division I Nationals and first team All-Academic all All-American. After teaching Spanish for three years in high school and winning Spike TV's Pros vs. Joes, Charlie decided to leave his job to pursue a master's degree and begin his professional fighting career. In 2011, he was ranked as high as number seven in the world, and in 2015, he published his autobiography, Driven, My Unlikely Journey from Classroom to Cage. Charlie currently lives in Pennsylvania with his wife and daughter, and we will discuss this and so much more on today's show. So with all that in mind, here is my very special guest this week, Charlie Brenneman. Charlie, how are you today? I'm doing really well, and i got to tell you, that might be the coolest intro to any show I've been on. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that so much. Here's the first question I always ask everyone, Charlie. Tell us how you got started. I mean, where did, where did you come from? What did you overcome along the way? What have you learned? How did you get from where you were to where you are right now? Well, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, um, relatively rural. I lived between, I grew up between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. 
And the, the best way to explain me to everyone who, you know, who comes in contact with me is I, is, is I am a wrestler. You know, I started wrestling when I was eight years old. And from a very young age, my parents instilled in me, you know, the, the concept of, of putting forth your best effort. You know, they, they basically said to my siblings and I, if you dedicate yourself to the classroom and sports, you know, if you choose sports, uh, academics and athletics, then we'll take care of the rest. And we were, you know, we're, we're a very middle-class family and they did everything in their power to keep that promise to us, you know? So it was like, I just busted my butt in the classroom and on the wrestling mat and they, they, they didn't, you know, they weren't, they made their promise. You know, if you dedicate yourself to that, they did everything they could to give me every opportunity that I could have to sum up my parents. My mom said to me one time, I shop at Kmart so you can shop at the gap, you know? So, so she was very giving and I took that wrestling mentality and that the, the values my parents instilled in me all the way up through division one college wrestling. And then following wrestling in college, I got a job teaching Spanish and coaching wrestling in my hometown of Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania. But soon after, that's where it gets interesting. I uh, Well, first, I guess, as you mentioned, I was on Pros vs. Joes on Spike TV. And that really got my competitive juices flowing again. I, I thought I was done. I thought after college wrestling, I'm going to drink soda, eat pizza, and get fat. I'm done training. Right. And then after doing Pros vs. Joes and winning, I got home and said, yeah, man, I need to do something. I need to compete again. And, and around that time, I, I caught wind of the UFC the ultimate fighting championship. And I made a declaration that I was going to get to the UFC. So I left my job and I made a plan that that's something I, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll dive into, but I didn't just say I'm leaving and, you know, walk out the door with my arms up in the air. It, you know, I made a plan to, to get it done. So I got my master's degree, moved to Eastern Pennsylvania, then eventually New Jersey and spent the last almost decade busting my butt to fight at the highest level of the sport. That is Absolutely amazing. I want to ask about pros versus Joes because I, I did I have watched that show before. I'm pretty sure I didn't see your episode because I didn't know you were on it. Uh, but tell us about that. How did that come to you, and what exactly was that experience like for you? You know that that was if I have to look back, you know, and, and say what really uh, turned me on the path of professional fighting, it was pros versus Joes. You know, growing up, I was I was successful in wrestling at a young age, but I wasn't necessarily always the best. You know, I would get to the state finals but i would lose in the state finals i would get to the championships sometimes i win sometimes i'd lose but when i did pros versus joes it was season one that was the first time in my life that i i knew i was going to win before i went i i just knew i was going to win and i prepared i prepared to win and i went out and i won and you know when i got home i thought wow i have something you know i have this mental capacity that i never had before and I have to do something with it. So, you know, that's that's what spawned the, the whole thought process that I can I can do this. I can fight and I can get to the UFC. That's wonderful. A lot of MMA fighters dream of reaching the, U the UFC. How did that happen for you? I mean, do they have scouts that look at other promotions and say, you know, they, they look for the really good fighters? Or did you reach out to them? Or how does that all happen? How does someone become a UFC fighter? You know, it's a little bit of both. That's a really good question. Um, so they're, they don't necessarily have scouts. You know how Major League has scouts that actually go to, you know, universities, et cetera. It's a little bit, I don't want to say behind the times, but it's, it's a new sport. So, so it's developing. But basically, you know, there's, there's a local circuit, there's a regional circuit, and then there's the national circuit. And the general progression is you start out on the local circuit. So I was fighting 
it's funny. My last fight before the UFC was in a barn. It was actually in a barn. <laughs> so wow. it's like you fight on the local circuit and, and you work your way up. And it, it, that's where one of my uh, maxims is, is surrounding yourself with the best. And it, it uh, you have to connect yourself. You know, you could be the best fighter in the world, but if, if you're in small town Pennsylvania and they don't even know you're on the radar, it doesn't matter. So it was important for me to connect myself to a, a well a well-known, well-respected uh, team slash manager. And that manager bridges the gap between young fighter and UFC. And so it was, a li- it was you know, the majority was, you know, Charlie, you have to win, obviously. And then yeah. during that process, you know, my manager really did a great job of keeping his, uh, you know, keeping on the doorstep of the UFC saying, hey, Spaniard won. Hey, Spaniard's got another one coming up. Hey, we'll, you know, we'll hop in if, if someone gets hurt. So it's, uh, it's, <coughs> Not necessarily a formal approach, but it's a little bit of winning, a little bit of connections. Yeah. Isn't that how your first UFC fight happened? Somebody else had to drop out and you just got inserted right into the lineup and you won? Well, my very first fight, I don't think my very first fight was that. Um, It was a little bit of notice. I had about a month and a half to prepare. So that was, you know, enough time. The biggest fight of my life, though, yeah, is... uh, the main event, a guy who was ranked number six in the world, and we can dive into this now or later, but the guy who was ranked six in the world, his opponent fell out. And on a day's notice, um, I jumped in and took that fight and, and won that fight. Wow. <clears throat> and that really changed my life. Oh, absolutely. I would bet it would be really hard to prepare for an opponent on one day's notice as opposed to having an entire training camp to work with. Well, there, there is a little caveat. I, I was scheduled to fight that day, but my opponent dropped out. So I was now just on standby. I had to collect. I had to weigh in to uh, to get paid, yeah. and uh, you know, at, at the last minute is when his opponent fell out, and I hopped in. Oh, that's wonderful! I really appreciate that story. That's really wonderful. So you won more than you lost. I mean, you were you were pretty good. Uh, are there are there uh, videos on YouTube of, of any of your fights? If someone wants to check that out. There are on YouTube is, is limited because the UFC has uh, very stringent, um, you oh, know, sure. copyright laws. Um, but if you search my name enough, you can, you can find, you know, you can find videos. Yeah. They're, they're out there. That's, that's wonderful. How, how many seasons did pro versus Joe's go? I mean, you must've been, we've got two minutes to the first break. Uh, were you on one of the earlier seasons or one of the later yeah. seasons? I was on season one pros versus Joe's and I, uh, I believe they had four or five seasons, but I actually I won my episode, which was actually episode nine of season one, and mm. then I came back for the finale episode. I got my brought my brother with me, and we actually won the finale as well. So we were the grand champions of Pros versus Joe's season one. That is awesome. And did that lead to anything else TV related, or is that something you desire, or you're just ready to put that behind you? You know, it, it was a pretty I would say isolated, isolated in that respect. Um, it got me, it didn't lead to any other things. Um, as I continue to, to grow as a speaker and as a mentor, I'm, what it did was it helped me prepare for, for essentially life in front of the camera. I got used to, you know, being in front of the camera, performing. I mean, that's huge performing in front of a camera, the, the behind the scenes, you know, learning how it works. So that all played a role, you know, indirectly in informing me for the future. Wow. That's really fantastic. We've got a minute left to our first break. My very special guest this week is Charlie Brenneman. And after the break, we will talk some more about his MMA career. We will talk about his book, 
his autobiography called Driven, My Unlikely Journey from Classroom to Cage. And we will talk about a lot of other things, too. He's now a motivational speaker. And uh, we'll talk about mindset because it's so important to have your mind correct as you start your day and as you go through your life. Because I'll tell you what, without a real positive mindset, without a real healthy uh, self-love and self-attitude, it's really difficult to accomplish anything amazing in your life. And it would be so easy for other people to drag you down. So we will talk about all of those kinds of things. And I will ask him a lot of questions about these topics. When we come back, this is Success Profiles Radio. Please don't go away. We will come right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Did you know you can quickly grow your business online and offline for free? SmartGuy.com is one of the fastest growing business networks in the world. Managing over 600 city business networks from Los Angeles, California to the country of Bahrain. In just a minute or two, you can add your business and be quickly listed in their global business directory, local business networks, and get a free web page that can actually rank on top of major search engines in as little as one to two weeks. No kidding. Simply go to www.smartguy.com. Fill out your company information and you're set. So add your business for free and find out why everyone loves a smart guy. Smartguy.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Charlie Brenneman. He is the author of the book... Driven, My Unlikely Journey from Classroom to Cage. And so let's talk about the importance of mindset because athletes, and we all have to have uh, a positive championship mindset, but for athletes, it's so important because you can win or lose just based on a split-second decision. That's, that's a topic that does come, a lot, come about a lot on the show. So let me ask you, Charlie, do you have a morning routine that starts your day? I mean, how do you turn it on to get, to get going? You know, that, that, that's awesome. And, and yeah, I do. And this is something that's new to me. So to kind of explain where I'm at in my life and career, on uh, April 26th of 2014, I got knocked out on live television. And it's a, it's a pretty, pretty uh, 
interesting maybe experience. You know, there's, there's aside from the physical repercussions of it, there's a lot of psychological, you know, a lot of guys, once they get knocked out, they, 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 it's like that cracked their shell and they can't fight anymore. They, you know, they, they fear it. That didn't happen to me. But what did happen to me is psychologically in, in the sense of, you know, you take a, in, in any professional realm, but especially professional fighting, you take a lot of abuse from fan quote fans, um, Social media is, is terrible. They, they, it's a, an open calling to insult and degrade everything you do. So for a long time, I was fielding those comments and remarks. And that experience really helped me kind of form, you know, form <laughs> thick skin, really. And so from there, I got more into personal development. I got more into trying to figure out, you know, what, how I can focus on myself rather than focusing on the, the love or the hate of other people. And so I, I got very much into personal development and maximizing my, my abilities. And one of those things that I've come upon is a morning routine. And I understand now the importance of a routine. But yeah, I wake up very early. I wake up generally 4.30 or 5 o'clock. Thanks to, I'll go into that in a little bit. But I wake up very early. I generally just drink water. Not, you know, not overload, but I drink a glass of water. And then I sit down and then I journal. I use a five-minute journal. So it you know, literally takes less than five minutes. Yeah. And then I read for for between 20 to 30 minutes. And generally the things I read right now, I'm reading Unbeatable Mind by Mark Devine. Mm. Uh, I just bought Mindset. Um, so it, there, it, it's, it's content-rich material. Yeah. And then from there, I have what I call a power breakfast. And this happens anywhere from two to five days a week where I'll talk for 15 or 20 minutes with a friend slash mentor you know both ways mentor you know where i help yeah. him and he helps me and we normally have a 15 or 20 minute sometimes it's structured sometimes it's just kind of like a power convo where we just bounce ideas off each other sometimes it pertains to our relationships with our wives sometimes it's business related and then from there is when i i start deep diving into my emails and then the the uh you know the activities for the day that's really wonderful. I've had a, a guest on my show a couple times named Hal Elrod. And he has a book called The yeah. Miracle Morning, and it's all about developing a routine. He talks about journaling and reading and exercising and visualizing, just a whole bunch of things. It's a, it's a really great book. Yeah, I actually, I actually read that book on the way home from my last fight in Brazil, which I oh. lost. And I was very, uh, very psychologically at a soft Place and, and I read his book and it, it really put me on the right path. Wow, that's really great. That's really great. I, I love hearing stuff like that. So let me ask you this. During your MMA career, what was your self-talk like as you entered the ring? I mean, you hear the music, you're approaching the ring, lots of distractions, you're focused. What exactly are you saying to yourself? How do you prepare mentally for a fight? You know, it's interesting. I've, I've heard many, many, many guys tell you know at be be asked or or just come out and say what they think and the majority of us are thinking the same thing i, I can tell you what i never have I, I i never feel fear i've never felt fear which is a very odd thing because i'm going into a cage in front of you know uh, fifteen thousand people and maybe half a million people on tv anything can happen but i i don't feel fear uh, what i feel is maybe a little bit of anxiety but most of the time i'm at i was at complete peace and later in my career actually my my last fight you know i worked with a sports psychologist and 
I got into the idea of mantras and positive self-talk, so I would have some of that going on. But generally, I would walk to the octagon, you know, and it's it's crazy because it's, it's it's so loud. There's so much music that the cameras are in your face that they're literally three feet in front of you and they're telling you where to walk and when to go, etc. But I was just very much at peace. And sometimes, see, I would I would kind of go with whatever emotions were there. You know, sometimes I would I would and I, I write about this in my book. Sometimes I would like feel like. I'm the absolute baddest dude in the planet. I'm going to demolish anyone who stands in front of me. Sometimes I'm like thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch the next day. You know, it's very, <coughs> very interesting. Wow. And, but the one thing that generally, generally always popped into my head is when they're announcing my name, they're announcing his name, the doors click, the cage closes, they lock it. I generally thought to myself, what in the world did I do in my life to put myself right here, right now? Yeah. And then, boom, it's fight. And that's about it. <laughs> wow. I, I bet hearing the door slam behind you and lock behind you is a pretty daunting feeling, isn't it? You know, it's it's that, I, I, yes, it's it's imposing, imposing, impending. I, you know, daunting is is super negative, but it's, it's a power, it's powerful, you know, it's absolutely boom. And the way I equate that this experience, I equate it to flying. So when I get in an airplane and I buckle up my seatbelt and we take off, it's now out of my hands and literally it's on autopilot. So when I, when that cage door closes and they say, are you ready? Are you ready? Fight. I'm on autopilot. It's, it's out of my control. You know, what I've done preceding that moment is dictates what will happen. Wow, that's incredible. Was there ever a time where you lost a fight that you were fully expecting to win? Yes, my last well, yes, my last two uh fights, absolutely my last two fights I lost that I thought for sure I was going to win. And I'm sure if I fought deeper there would be several more, but yeah, my last two, the one where I got knocked out completely it came out of nowhere. It was uh I did really well the first round. I was controlling the fight. Second round, he capitalized on a tendency that his coaches picked up. He came right over top with an overhand right when I had my left hand down, knocked me out one punch. And then my last fight down in Brazil, I mean, if I would have, if I was a betting man, I would have bet a million dollars on me. I thought there was no way in the world this guy was going to beat me. And then, you know, not immediately, but three, four minutes into the fight, I, I realized okay, my training leading up to this fight is not what it should have been. Not that I slacked, but I just emphasized the wrong areas. And I ended up getting choked out, and and it was like, I can't believe that just happened. Wow. So how do you handle setbacks like that? I mean, how how, how do you process that? How long does it take you to just go past it? You know, for me, it was kind of a system. So I've had uh, 27 professional fights, five amateur fights, and – a process that evolved is this. So whether I win or lose, it's, it's the following period of time is, is the most intense emotions that you can really ever imagine. And if you win, it's good. If you lose, it's obviously bad. So generally what I, I would allow myself one week of either just feeling great, walking in the clouds, eating, drinking, whatever I wanted, just whatever I needed to do to feel good and feel complete. And then at the end of that week, sometimes it was 10 days, I would say to myself, all right, time to get back on the horse, get back in the gym. So then I get back in the gym. Conversely, 
if I lost, I would, I would, I would not try to feel better. I would pity myself and I would feel terrible about myself for that week or that 10 days. But then I would snap my fingers just like I did if I would want was as if I would have won and said, all right, man up, get back on the horse. And then I get back to the gym. I, I, I needed that period of mourning to, to move forward. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's great. So let's talk about your book. Where did the idea for that book come from and how long for, uh, did it take for it all to come together? Well, I'm, like I said, I'm from a small town in central Pennsylvania and I grew up and I was, you know, pretty well known in the community. I had won, uh, I took second at States my junior and senior year. So I was in the newspaper, in the media, a good bit. I went to college, same, same idea, then pros versus Joe. So I, ha- I have a name in, from, in my community and ever since I, I got a job right out of college teaching at my former junior and senior high. So it was, you know, Charlie's back. He's a teacher. But then when I said, you know, hey, everyone, I'm leaving to pursue professional fighting, it was kind of like kind of a ripple in the community. Like, what is he doing? What? What? You know, it, it was kind of like, what the heck is this kid doing? So for the last 10 years, I've maintain that support in my community. My community has been tremendous in supporting my endeavors and letting me know that, that I've had an impact on, on them and their lives and maybe their kids' lives. So when after I got knocked out, I thought to myself, you know, what am, what am I going to do? And, you know, it kind of dawned on me, you know, I've been taking notes. I've been, you know, living a pretty, pretty neat, interesting life. And I thought, you know what? I've gotten a thousand questions from my community. Why don't I just write it all down in a book so they can read the answers to all those questions? So, you know, I got knocked out April 26, maybe a week and a half, two weeks later, I started writing. And the whole process to being published took just over a year and a half. But it, it was something where I would take, I would write for a month, two months, then I'd take a break, then I'd write, take a break. And what happened at the end of that process when I was like, you know, I had the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel, I started to get nervous and I started to get scared. And I, and I was afraid of what if I write this and no one likes it? What if it's terrible? What if it's a bad idea? What if, you know, I got nervous. And so I just procrastinated. But finally, I, I manned up and said, all right, buddy, you put a lot of work into this. Just get it done. And so we Absolutely. got it done. Yeah, that's great. What do you consider to be the big takeaway that you hope people get from reading it? This is straight from people telling me what they got from it. You know, I, I, my intention was just to write what I've gotten from it is it, it serves as, I mean, if you go to Amazon and read the reviews, you get a perfect representation of the book. But uh, things I've, I've gotten a lot from it is overcoming obstacles, staying true to yourself, setting and pursuing goals, and just having the fortitude to kind of go against the norm and kind of forge your own path. Yeah, that's awesome. We are talking with Charlie Brenneman and his book is called Driven, My Unlikely Journey from Classroom to Cage. We'll talk more about the book and we'll talk about his speaking career when we come back from the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Uh, Really great show so far. Please stay with us as we finish and go to the end. I'm going to ask him about how he started his speaking career and his favorite moment in his speaking career. I think that'll be a really great question to hear because I'll tell you what, as a speaker, you can get to impact people and I just love it. So we'll come right back. Please stay with us.
of the mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. My very special guest this week is UFC fighter, speaker, author, mentor, Charlie Brenneman. As for finding me, you can find me on Facebook. I have a fan page, Success Profiles Radio. Please like the page. I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Brian K. Wright. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can also download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes for free. So uh, download and subscribe. Give it a great review if you feel it's worthy. And I also do have a book writing coaching program. So if you've got a book inside you that you think you want to write, a nonfiction book that is, I would be very glad to talk to you and have a discovery session with you and find out what it's like. Uh, for us to work together, and we can take it from there. You can just email me, brian at brianckwright.com. Charlie, where can we find your book now that I'm thinking about it? All of my information is on my website, charlie-brenneman.com, and it has my book, social media links, etc. And you know, you can, here's a, a little caveat. If you'd like the book signed, you can get it through my site store, and otherwise you can get it through Amazon. That's a beautiful incentive. I love that. So how does having a book fit into your overall business plan? You know what? It was a, an unexpected bonus. You know, when I started writing the book last April, it, it didn't really, I wasn't thinking business related. You know, I was just writing. And, you know, since I've published it and since I've been speaking since having it published, it's just an extra thing to have in your arsenal. You know, whenever I, I maybe would, would propose, make a proposal to speak at a school or to a corporation or a sports group, you know, it's always nice to be able to say, you know, I'm an author as well and I can bring my book to use it as an incentive or as part of the package, it's just something that, you know, really adds an extra kind of piece of value. But at the same time, the fact that I've been getting positive reviews on it, it's very fulfilling to me. And it's, it makes me truly believe in having it be a, a very valuable asset to have in my corner. Absolutely. And I continually tell people that having a book can be the springboard to other streams of revenue, such as speaking. I've done some speaking. I know you've done quite a bit of speaking. Tell us how that got started. How'd your speaking career start? Well, I knew, you know, after I talked about that process of, of writing the book and after I got knocked out, and that's when I decided, okay, I, I want to I start speaking. And it took another, from that point, you know, that April, it took another seven, eight months until I started. But it was really, it came down to this. It came down to, I love inspiring people and I love performing. So I thought, you know, how can I, and I love my freedom, you know, my, my, my entrepreneurial spirit. So I thought, how, what can I do? And as I talked to more and more people and I was encouraged, like, man, you have a really interesting story. You have a lot of value that you can give to people. You can share with people, especially young people. 
And so I just, I, I, I did what anyone does who wants to pursue something. I, I acted. So yeah. I, I made phone calls to people I knew who might be able to give me ideas. One of my friends gave me the idea, hey, why don't you speak at, at our local wrestling match beforehand? Both the coaches will let you. I know they will. It was, you know, it was not, it was not paid. I just went and I spoke from there that planted the seed in the school district. And I'm friends with, uh, you know, my, I have a good relationship with, with the principal at the high school. She was so encouraging at Hollidaysburg area high school. Her name's Maureen Letcher. So, so encouraging and walked me through the process. She believed in me. She believed in my message. So she walked me through the process of, okay, this is what we as administration look for. And this is how you propose it. And, and then I did. And I started there and over the past 12 months, I've probably given 15 to 20 school presentations, as well as banquets, sports clubs, uh, you know, other random unique opportunities, a couple of corporations as well. So I've just been doing that's the people say, like, how do you get started? Well, you do. You do. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You act. That's awesome. What topics do you speak on? I talk. So my general program I cover my, my, my story, my history, and that's the focus points are vision, creating a vision, you know, knowing what you want to do or figuring out what you want to do. Values, the importance that values play in, in, in anyone's journey and dealing with success and failure because I, I and strategies and perspectives on success and failure because I, I have very unique perspective in that. So I focus on those things through storytelling and it's really the personal touch. You know, I was talking to someone today and, and, and he said something, he said, I have a skill set that is me, right? He right. said that about himself, but I started thinking that's it. Like vision values, success and failure. If you just take those, it's meh program. But then it's like, I have my skill set. I have my stories. I have my experience that no one else can replicate. And that's what I really think sets my program apart. That's awesome. And I, I think that's a really great lesson because everyone has a uniqueness about them. Some people have a really easy time figuring that out and other people really struggle to figure out, oh gosh, how am I special? Well, we all have a different set of experiences. You and I, Charlie, could have the same set of experiences, but we interpret them differently. We yeah. use those experiences differently. I mean, your life might go in one way because of an experience and I might have the exact same experience like getting knocked out in a fight and yeah. I might respond and react to it a whole lot differently. So it's, it's what you do with what happens to you that makes a difference and that's what makes your story compelling. Oh, I appreciate that. Absolutely. So what's your favorite moment in your speaking career? You know, it. Uh, I've had some really cool experiences. And I actually, one of the coolest ones probably happened the other day. I did a short, short kind of charity-based presentation at a school. And it was the first time that I, I'll give you two examples. This is one of them. It was the first time it was the kickoff assembly to THON. So Penn State University has their THON where they raise money for childhood cancer. And it was the, the kickoff for the assembly. So it was only a 10-minute presentation, but it felt good that I was able to take professional fighting, my experiences, cultivate that into a message that revolved around the Four Diamonds Fund in the Thawne Assembly, which is in the Thawne Mission, which is raising money to combat childhood cancer. So it felt good to be able to have the artistic ability to do that and during that presentation, I, I spoke about my mom who overcame twi cancer twice, two times when I was a kid. 
And it was very neat because unexpectedly they, they like kind of clapped and cheered for my mom. And that was like very touching because I didn't plan. I didn't plan. I didn't expect it. I was just speaking from the heart about my mom. So that was a really neat experience. And the other one, I did a meet the author after I published my book in my local library back home. And it was really neat to me being at the library because I'm used to speaking about my program, vision, values, success and failure, accountability. But when I was there, I was being asked questions about the book writing process. When you mentioned your, your, your program about the book writing process, I, I loved it. It was like, wow, these people actually care what I did to write a book. That is so yeah. neat because that's such a knit. Like the average person doesn't care about that. But it was right. so fulfilling to have them asking me questions about that process. Absolutely. So do you find that you set a specific amount of time to write or do you basically write whenever the inspiration hits you? Well, now, okay, back then I, I wrote, I just wrote, I, I didn't say I'm going to wake up and write. I just, I woke up, my daughter went to daycare. At that point, you know, for the one, two, three, four, five months after my fight, before I officially got released from the UFC, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't know. So I just sat, you know, so I just wrote when I wrote. Now I'm more structured. I blog regularly via my website. I was doing twice a week. Now I'm blogging once per week, but I'll, I'll structure that where I'll sit down. I'll write usually on Monday morning. I'll publish it. So I'm very structured now. But what I do is I, I'm always reading. I'm always listening to podcasts, radio, etc. So I always take notes in Evernote and I, I have a tag that's called blog ideas. Yeah. So if I don't have something that's fresh in my mind, I'll go to my blog ideas tag, pick out a topic and write about that topic. Yeah. Evernote is a great a great device, a great tool, isn't it? I got uh, I got hooked on that from David Allen, Getting Things Done. And it's, yeah. it's something that's a part of my life now. And for those of you who don't know what Evernote is, it's basically an online place where you can just make notes to yourself and create tags so that you can find things really easily. I, I use Evernote occasionally. Uh, I have blog ideas. I have... Uh, things that I've written, uh, topic ideas for new books, just just lots of different things. And so it, it is very, very useful. I know Tim Ferriss swears by it. He loves Evernote. Now, I was just going to say this about Tim Ferriss. I picked up a hack from him. So, you know, I had my highlighter and my pens, and then I'd have to, like, figure out how can I log this information. And then I heard yeah. from Tim Ferriss, read it on Kindle, highlight it on Kindle, go into your Kindle on your computer, copy it paste it into Evernote. Now you have the whole book right into Evernote. That is amazing. I would never have thought of that. Yeah, it's wonderful. Trust me. It saves a lot of time. Oh, for sure. So how do you meet high profile and important people? You know, I'm, I'm in the process of it. So it's not like I'm, you know, it's not like I have a Rolodex, figurative Rolodex full of uh -huh. high profile people, but it all comes – I think the biggest key to every success I've had in life is being authentic. Mm -hmm. I'm a very authentic person. I don't have ulterior motives. I live by my values. I, I mean I'm sure you can find some people who you know, say I'm whatever. But you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of people would say he does what he says and, and he lives by his values. And I think that in the pursuit of – I don't even think it's goals. I think it's in the pursuit – of, of self-actualization, right? If you show that authenticity and you show that you live by your values, successful people value and appreciate that. And successful people will go out of their way to help you in any way they can. And I've been very fortunate to live an authentic life and, and 
through connections, through being myself, being very, I mean, upfront. I'm, I'm also, it's not like I'm an expert. Like I, I make phone calls and I sound like an idiot because I'm so nervous, but it's yeah. like people, whatever, they see that you're, you're being authentic. And I think that's yeah. been the key for me. Yeah. I think everyone is scared of something. And as long as we don't put people on a pedestal and remember, you know what, there are things that they're afraid of too. There are things that they have some intimidations and trepidations about. Uh, just, just, I mean, we all put our pants on the same way. So yeah. why not just go for it? The worst thing that can happen is they can say no. And if they say yeah. no, just ask again and keep asking until they either tell you really no <laughs> yeah. or not yet or yeah. maybe someday. You know, uh, an interesting thing. So to, to touch on that, I've noticed something when I'm speaking or when I'm uh, proposing something to a potential client. So one night I was practicing a speech in, in, my, in my living room my, and my wife said, why are you talking like that? And I said, what do you mean like that? She said, you're, 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 you're not talking how you talk. You're talking how you think they want you to talk, right? Mm. And there was no they. It was a, you know, a figurative they. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. So in my head, instead of just talking, speaking my content, I was speaking my content in a way that I thought they, whomever they is, would want me to sound. So I was not being authentic. Mm. And I do that same thing with phone calls that I'm talking about or proposals. It's like I get so nervous and I don't just talk like I'm talking to you. And I sound like an idiot. So the, the best, great piece of advice is say what you want to say, not what you think they want you to say. Love it. And you will attract your crowd. If you speak your truth, you will attract your crowd. And people who are turned off by it probably don't really matter anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got a minute to our last break. Let's just, and we can uh, continue the answer to the next question into the next segment. But I want to ask you what you think are some of the best characteristics of peak performers. Best characteristics of peak performers. One thing that I've learned is the ability to separate work that, 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 external factors from work time. So I used to say for better or worse, um, you know, to my wife, Hey, if we had a giant fight and I had to another, like if we were in an argument and I had to fight the best fighter in the world in 10 minutes, I would be okay. I would be fine because I can compartmentalize those feelings. I think that's awesome. extremely important. Yep. We are coming up against our final break. My guest is Charlie Brenneman. We will come right back after the break. Please come back for the final segment and don't go away. Please stay with us. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the 
United States with quality programming. This is Tokinet Radio. was salvaged from the linguistic scrap heap by the Romans. It has remained in use in the Roman alphabet ever since, and now accounts for 2.5% of any page of written English. So today, I thought I would give you some fantastic words that start with the letter F. False eloquence is an 18th century word for lying. Fanfarinade is a 17th century word for an arrogant boaster. While a flapdoodler is a 19th century slang word for a person who talks nonsense and rubbish. A Philly Lou is a noisy uproar. And my favorite F word ever, floxy noxy knee hilly pillyfication, which means worthless trivia. For more letter of the day words, download my free app at twofunnyforwords.com. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. My very special guest this week on Success Profiles Radio is Charlie Brenneman. His book is called Driven, My Unlikely Journey from Classroom to Cage. You can go to his website, charlie-brenneman. If you want an autographed copy of his book, he'll do that for you. Otherwise, you can find it on Barnes & Noble or on Amazon. Is all of that correct? Yes. Yeah. If, if you, you, can get a, you can get the Amazon link and my uh, website store link from my website. And if you'd like me to sign it, yeah, go through the store. Otherwise, go through Amazon. Fantastic. Uh, one of the questions I asked you right before break is what are some of the characteristics that you believe uh, lead to peak performance? And you spoke about one of them, the ability to compartmentalize work versus um, home life, correct? Yes. yes. Great. Yeah, what else I mean, do you think you'd like to add to that? Work versus any life. I mean, whether it's home life, whether it's work life, whether it's anything, that being able to compartmentalize the stresses of everyday life with the task at hand. And I actually write about that in my book as well, where I was not able to do that. I had a, the de- a death of, of someone extremely close to me and my team the mm. morning before a fight. And it, oh. it really uh, didn't, I wasn't uh, mature enough then to handle it. So that was a very big learning experience. Yeah. Um, I think another one, extremely important one, and this really differentiates, I mean, there's, there's cliches about it, but it just the the vast majority of success. I mean, all successful people are willing to do the things that uh, normal people are not willing to do. I to to succeed in the UFC, I drove ungodly hours in a car. I drove through the night. I slept in corners. I traveled and I, I postponed. I almost you know uh, severed the relationship of my present day wife. Uh, I, I she was my girlfriend back then, but I was so laser focused on that goal, and that's I think you really have to be laser focused on what you want. And I'm not saying you have to, you know, uh, you know, break up with your girlfriend, divorce your, not at all. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you you have to live the amount of free time that you have. It has to be dedicated to your mission. To, to the thing that you want more than anything else in the world, or you don't truly want it. 
Yeah. Um, I heard a musician being interviewed on David Wilde's interview show on one of the cable stations. It's not on anymore. I think it was Barry Manilow that he was interviewing. And David Wilde asked him, why do you, why do, you do this? And his answer was, I can't not do it. Exactly. I thought, what an interesting response. It's very much what you just said. It's so ingrained in you that you have to do it. There's no circumstance in which you can conceivably think of yourself as not doing it. Correct. Yeah, it's 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 a part of me. You know, it is a part of me, and I I live every day. You know, I, I I write down my goals, and I basically think out loud into Evernote, and and you know that that's one of the things that's coming to fruition is like I, I just it's a part of me. It's a part of my day. I, I don't go more than <laughs> more than an hour, or two hours without thinking of my vision. You know, it yeah. just it's a part of me. Absolutely. So one of the one of many other topics that you teach about and write about and blog about and perhaps speak about is the idea of building amazing relationships. What do you believe is the most important thing to doing that? Well, that's a pretty complex question. The, 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 what I've learned, okay, so this is something I've learned. I wouldn't necessarily say the hard way because I didn't, I didn't sever any relationships, but I'm learning more so now than ever that it's for great relationships. It has to be reciprocal. You know, if, if for example, I have two super close friends of mine, I would call them best friends of mine who throughout the course of my career did so much for me via, uh, web design, developing social media, creation, et cetera. And I totally, totally didn't know. I didn't know how much value they were giving me. I, I just didn't know. I was, I was naive to how much work and time they put into it. I just completely over, over, I didn't realize it. And years later, I, I don't know how many times I've said to my, my buddy, look, man, I, whatever, I'll, whatever you need, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And I'm, um, I apologize. I didn't know how much I asked you for. I was, I was blind to it. And so it's extremely important to, to have it be reciprocal in that relationship. Yeah, that is so important. And communication is certainly one of the other things. If it's very one-sided, it doesn't last for very long. There has to be a commitment to communicate no matter what. And to have the difficult conversations if yeah. they are necessary. My, I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I've had friendships that I thought were very close friendships. And all of a sudden those people would disappear. And I don't know if it was something that I did or something that I said or something that happened on their end. But if it was something I did, I would like to think that perhaps they would have the gumption to respect me enough to tell me, Brian, this is what you did to sort of screw this up. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't had the courtesy of that conversation with certain people who are no longer in my life. And that's too bad. It's too bad. I mean, you hear through the grapevine other people saying what happened, but you never hear it from them. And so... A little cowardly, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how you'd say it, but it has to be reciprocal. There has to be respect. And I love what, what you said, too, about, about um, brain block. <laughs> the, the balance and having a good balance. Both. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, we've got just a few minutes left in the show. Let me ask you some get-to-know-you kinds of questions, Charlie. What is the scariest thing you've ever done? Fight Anthony Rumble Johnson. If you don't know who he is, look him up. <laughs> Sounds scary. <laughs> well, again, I was not scared, but if you'd ask the average person, they say, "How did you do that?" Yeah, what made that a, a, an experience that could have been really scary? 
Uh, I mean, he's, uh, oh, man, he is just an animal. He is really big, really tough, and he beats the crap out of everybody. So, and he is significantly, look it up, look, if you're listening, Google Charlie Brenneman, Anthony Johnson, and you'll see just how how big he is compared to me, even though we're at the same weight class. Wow, that's amazing. What are you most proud of in your career? You know what? It's it's I think writing my book. Writing my book is probably my most one of I mean is probably the proudest thing I've ever done. Now, outside of professionally, the proudest thing I'm currently doing is teaching my daughter Spanish. She's she's two years old and she comprehends so much. It's amazing. And I feel so blessed to be able to give her that gift without <laughs> without her even knowing. It, it, it's truly amazing and, and, and it's so fulfilling. That is amazing. And at that age, I think they're much more receptive to learning another language. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. And she I, I swear that she constructs. She, I mean, she she processes. She constructs. She she builds off of things it's amazing because half the words she says and knows i don't even teach her i'm like where'd you learn that but obviously it's it's through something we've been doing yeah if someone does want to learn spanish what do you what do you recommend as the best way of doing that getting with someone who uh, you can have as a conversation partner rosetta stone i mean i mean you're a teacher so you i don't know if you use any of that in your class but i've i've never used you know rosetta stone or anything i've heard good things about them but the biggest thing is consistent one i mean it's is consistency and overriding that is a true determination and uh, passion to learn the language. And, and yes, you need consistency. And when I say consistency, if you're living in America where, where there are not Spanish speakers, you need to get on the phone, you need to, to, to Skype, you need to find a partner where you speak for an hour a day. You, you just start. You just start because it's consistency is key. And as Gracie, my daughter gets older, I'm going to find a a Spanish nanny and and have her spend at least two afternoons with my daughter. So it's consistency is it. That's great. And if anyone has any number of friends on Facebook, I would like to think that at least one of them is bilingual in Spanish. Absolutely. And I mean, I still, (laughs) I still talk to my, my college international friends on a, a regular basis on, you know, Skype or, or WhatsApp or, you know, whatever. That's great. What keeps you going when things get difficult? Well, I've always been a, 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 I've always had inner drive and inner purpose. But at this point in my life and career, it, it's providing, for, it's it's creating the life for my wife and my daughter that I dream about, and that's a life of experience experiences. Uh, I want to provide every experience I can for them, and that's what really drives me. That's really great. If you were starting over today, knowing what you know right now, what would you do differently? Now, I don't want to give the cliche of I, I wouldn't change anything because, you know, that, that led me to where I am at now. I feel that way for a lot, 99% of the things I've done. One thing I would do differently, I, I think I can definitively say, is, is when I, I talked about the, the death of one of my coaches and – I wasn't able to compartmentalize that. I would have, if I could go back to that moment, I would have either not taken the fight or I would have compartmentalized the emotions because I, I didn't I didn't handle that right. I was inside the octagon fighting a terrific fighter thinking about my coach, and I, I should have never done that. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. I would imagine when something traumatic like that happens, it's really hard to get that out of your mind. Were you thinking at the time, I'm doing this for him, I'm doing this for him, but it really didn't manifest itself that way? You know, yeah. I, I was thinking like I was playing the storybook ending and I was raising my arms in memory of Don, but then I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. So it was like, I just, I wasn't strong enough to really see that through. And, and I would have, you know, if I would have seen that, I, I wouldn't have taken the fight. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so we are coming to the end of the show. There's less than two minutes left. And so here's the question, Charlie, that I ask everyone at the end of the show. Who inspires and motivates you? Well, on a, on a kind of a superficial level, The Rock. Uh, and The Rock is, is, I think, just he motivates me every day. So, so on a superficial level. Aside from that, it's my parents. My parents are the most special people in the world that, that anyone could ever anyone could ever ask for. And, and, and seeing, thinking back to how they raised me and what they sacrificed for myself and my siblings motivates me every day in my life to do, to try to replicate them as much as possible for my daughter. And that manifests itself into driving me and pushing myself as a person. Wow. That's really fantastic. I love that. Less than a minute to the end. Tell us one more time, where can we get your book and how can we reach out to you? Well, you, everything I do is housed on my website, charlie-brenneman.com. And uh, social media links, I blog. I would encourage you to, uh, I have some really cool giveaways on my website for, for signing up for my blogs. And uh, by supplying your email address, you'll have access to all of that stuff. And I send out some really rich content. If you want to test the waters before you do, go on my website, click on blog, read the content. I can assure you that if you're into personal development, you will love the content. And, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, Fantastic. Everything's on my, my website. All right. And once again, his book is called Driven, My Unlikely Journey from Classroom to Cage. Thank you, Charlie Brenneman, for being a part of Success Profiles Radio. We will be on next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I will interview more amazing and successful people and learn how they overcame their adversity and how they succeeded. Please join us next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. You can download and subscribe to the show on iTunes anytime you'd like. Thank you so much for joining us. Until then, take care of each other. Have a great week. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to 